Hi, welcome to Paperback Readers. I'm Joe, that's Julie, and we are back with a two-week roundup of our reading. Uh, I think you were more productive than I was now that school's out. Well, it's the start of summer, but we have been really busy. Like, we've been running all the time, so um, part of the reason that I was a little more prolific than you was because I did some rereads, but... Yeah, and, and I spent a large amount of the last week on the phone with uh, cell phone carriers, but that's another story for a totally different <laughs> podcast, and let's stick to the one before us. Why don't you get us started? Okay, I read three books, and then our shared read. Uh, the main one was a book called Lincoln's Way, How Six Great Presidents Created American Power, and I initially did this as my Lincoln read. But after getting about 50 pages in, I realized that very little of this book was about Lincoln. So I read another book, the Steers book uh, about Lincoln, which was very good. I did stick with this book. It was interesting. The uh, presidents in question, other than Lincoln, Teddy Roosevelt, Franklin Roosevelt, Harry Truman, Dwight Eisenhower, and John F. Kennedy. And there's a little bit of a spoiler here in that uh, Richard Striner, the author, uh, obviously appreciates and identifies with presidents 32, 33, 34, 35. So if I'm going to be critical of his overall theory, which is not a bad one, which is that presidential leadership often consists of finding kind of a middle path, uh, which was something Lincoln was very blessed at, and he argues each of these people he studies as examples uh, had a, a talent for, and some of those I think would surprise people, but he makes his case uh, very well and thoroughly. Um, but one of his uh, big things is he feels like the modern presidency ha on both sides has created a trend to speak ill of the government, that the government exists only to be this bloated, inefficient thing and never to help people, whether it's FDR's New Deal or Eisenhower's massive infrastructure, think interstate highways. Uh, he has some real problems with that. And I think that's a very interesting way to look at it. But where he kind of lost me is he takes this up to the early 2000s and he's railing at one point against distressed genes in a television show, Fear Factor. It's the downfall of, of the American culture. And then like, you kind of fell in to get off my lawn a little bit there. Uh, his his central theory is, is a good one and an interesting one, and I'm not sure at all that he's wrong, uh, but by the time we're, we're taking on distressed genes as what's wrong with the world, I'm like, yeah, you were awfully, awfully happy with the presidents of the 40s and 50s and 60s because I'm guessing you're an older author and that's kind of uh, your spirit animal timeline-wise. Is there a picture of him? No. Oh, well. So I, I could be totally wrong. He may be younger than I am, but I'm going to bet he's not. Uh, again, it's not that it's a bad book. It, it's kind of a theoretical book. It's kind of a policy wonk book. Uh, so not for everybody, but if you're interested in what makes a president effective versus what makes a president not effective. He's got some very good ideas here, but do be wary that uh, the, ply, the, the, the the downfall of civilization will be traced through distressed genes and fear factor. Who knew? Well, all right then. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I read The Old Man in the Sea with Her Son. Uh, if you love Hemingway, go back and listen to the episode where that was our shared read. I'm not going to recap all of that. Uh, I've now read that book with everybody in my immediate family, uh, which probably speaks of my love of, of Hemingway and the 
great college class I had on Hemingway and Faulkner and ran into a friend today who was in that class with me. And within a few sentences, we were fondly reminiscing about two decades ago. So <laughs> just how it is. Uh, but that that's always a good one and a short read. Uh, and I think everybody appreciated it. Maybe everybody just humored me and, and let me get through it. I'm not sure. <laughs> Boy, you it's should a, really work harder. <laughs> to, it's a good book. Sure it is. Yeah. <laughs> it is a good book. Okay, and I'm trying to get the details on the other book I read. I want to make sure I have the title exactly right. The Cleveland Cavaliers, A History of the Wine and Gold by Vince McKee. This is one of my... Uh, iPad reads my nighttime reading, and it is just what it says, a history of the Cleveland Cavaliers NBA team. Um, very by the book, by the numbers, goes through. It is kind of funny because the book came out in 2014, uh, so we haven't really finished the circle of LeBron James's story at that point, which really pretty much is the most exciting thing ever about the Cleveland Cavs. So the, the payoff is kind of muted here because we don't get the championship they win with LeBron. So if you like the Cavs, you may enjoy it. If you don't, I don't think this one's going to convert you, but uh, that's my two cents on Vince McKee's The Cleveland Cavaliers. I know you were complaining because it was a slow two weeks for you, but I am not sure that you could have read any three more books that are more emblematic of you. <laughs> well, I've got a lot of good stuff in the hopper. Um, if we record it in another week, I'd like to think I'd have two or three more. We'll see. Now that I have data on my cell phone again, maybe I can get back to some of my audio books. But you did again, miss some of that. I was trying but not I mean, to seriously, delve into you've that. Got, you've got history. You've got classic literature. You've got sports. I mean, this is it's what you love, and you're sticking with it, and that's a good thing. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a creature of habit, if I'm nothing else. But I did manage to read a novel this time. And I look forward to checking out uh, our friend Chad Gibbs's new YA novel, and I'm completely blanking on the title, but I will make it up to him by talking about it extensively when I do get to read it. Well, this is just kind of the point of the podcast. It's not supposed to be, your reading life is not supposed to be a list of things you should read, but more of the things that you're interested in, you want to read. And so that's what you're doing. And that's excellent. I, I am a creature of habit. It's absolutely what I did. So <laughs> here's what I read for the last two weeks. The first one was a reread. It's Book Lovers by Emily Henry, which is one of my favorite books of the summer and possibly of the year. Just came out in May. I talked about it, I think, on the last podcast, the one before last. Anyway, if you're interested, you can um, hear about it there. And then I read uh, Bloomsbury Girls by Natalie Jenner. She wrote, I think the title of the book is The Jane Austen Society. It was from a couple of years ago. Um, so she writes historical fiction. This is set in London in the aftermath of World War II. Um, when all the men have come home, they've taken their places in society. Women, what are they supposed to do now? And so um, this, this focuses on a little bookshop um, that is primarily run by men. And yet these two women, um, who are soon joined by a third woman really wish to have like larger stays in what happens in the bookstore, but also in what happens in their own lives. So it's a story of friendship. It's a story of um, feminine identity and feminine power and set in that really interesting sort of historical setting. I thoroughly enjoyed the book. It sounds like a fun read. It really was. And all of my books this time were really just fun reads. Um, the next one was another reread. I read, I guess I haven't learned that yet by Shauna Nequist. Also one that I talked about in a recent past episode, 
also one of my favorite books of the year and one of my favorite authors ever. Uh, I just love Shauna so much. So you, if you are interested in that, you can go back and hear what I said about it on past podcasts. It's funny to me that you did two rereads in the same little time period. You needed those some books, comfort reading to finish up the work year, didn't you? Well, but those books just came out, and I loved both of them so much. And if I really, really love a book, I'm going to reread it. I always swear that some year I'm just going to do read, read, rereads. You're never going to do that. <laughs> You're not. That sounds like a challenge. 2023, <laughs> here it comes. Yeah, whatever. Well, my my current goal is to get us new music for episode 50, but we'll we'll see if that works well, out. One one step at a time, dear. Right. The next one is The Lazy Genius Kitchen by Kendra Adachi. She has a podcast called The Lazy Genius. She wrote another book called The Lazy Genius Way, which I probably liked better than this one. Um, although this one was good, I found I thought the best section of this one was part three, where she gave a whole lot of specific advice for specific issues in the kitchen, including some recipes. Uh, she did a whole page on roasting things, a page on grilling things. Those are the kinds of things that I just, I just like to see what other people do, you know? Oh, sure. Um, this book was supposed to be kind of using what she called the lazy genius principles to reorganize your kitchen in a way that matters to you. So if that's something you feel like you need help in or are interested in, this might be a book that is for you. I said, if you have read her first book, The Lazy Genius Way, you already know how to do everything that she's going to talk about in this one. This one is just more specific to the kitchen. And my Lazy Genius story that I have to add early on your Lazy Genius following, you had done the Change Your Life chicken. Yeah, that's like yeah. the recipe that she is the most known for. That's yeah, great. It's phenomenal. Yeah, it's delicious. It's on her website if you're interested in it. It's super easy, healthy, and tasty. So anyway, the, the plug for her aside, my point of bringing it up, I saw uh, Michelle Bruton, who's one of the editors of, of one of my books, she had made essentially the same recipe. And I she had tweeted it out. She was very proud of it. It looked great, just like it does when we make it. And I replied to her tweet and said, lazy genius, question mark. And she's like, um, well, I'm lazy anyway. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I'm saying is that where the recipe came from? But oh, it, it actually wasn't. So it's apparently popular <laughs> across platforms. But be careful with lazy genius uh, discussion that you don't think you're casting imprecations against people. I listened to her podcast and enjoyed it for a lot of years. Um, I also like that recipe is a favorite in my house and I really like her uh, easy chocolate chip cookie recipe. As oh, that well. is good. Yeah. You bet. She also got us going with um, bowls, like the variations uh, on bowls for various recipes. Again, if you just need like a shake up in the kitchen, just something quick. Her website is worth checking out. Her podcast is worth checking out because you can skim. She did a whole three podcast um, series on these various kinds of bowls, and they really kind of revolutionized our kitchen for a while. They're still on rotation. So mm -hmm. um, anyway, that's The Lazy Genius Kitchen by Kendra Adachi. And then I read This Time Tomorrow by Emma Strobe. I love Emma Strobe so much. Um, she wrote books like, the I think it's The Vacationers. And now my mind has gone blank. I cannot remember anything else that she wrote. But she's written a lot of books in the contemporary fiction genre. They're fabulous. Um, 
I love Emma Strobe largely because of her writing style. She does characters really well. She does setting really well. She herself lives in Brooklyn, and so New York is the setting for a lot of her books like this one. They feel like love letters to New York when she sets a book there, and I love anything set in New York. She owns the bookstore, Books Are Magic. Her writing is just, it's just beautiful. It's writing that, like, I always feel safe in her hands when I go into one of her stories. This book, I wasn't, I was skeptical of at first because This Time Tomorrow is a time travel book. Alice, the main character of the story, goes to bed on her, the night of her 40th birthday and she wakes up in the morning on her 16th birthday and the biggest surprise to her there is, is, is her father, who, when she's 40, her father's in the hospital. He's slowly dying of something that's never really named. When she goes back on her 16th birthday, there he is so much younger and, and healthy. And all these things that she never noticed or stopped to appreciate are there. Yeah. And then, of course, in, as in any time travel novel, the question is, what would you change if you could? I'm not a big time travel fan just because probably probably because you have taken us through so many fabulous time travel <laughs> stories. I'm not criticizing. You love the trope. I do. Back to the Future was one of your all-time favorites. Yeah. yeah. Um Stephen King's 112263, which is amazing. Oh my gosh. There are so many good time travel stories. I feel like you and I have watched most of the ones on film. We've read a great number of the ones in books. They're good, but I feel like it gets overdone. And so I was a little skeptical here. But again, Emma Strobe is just one of those authors who is so wonderful at what she does that I thought this book was amazing. It had a lot of really good things to say about the nature of fiction itself. Her father is an author. Not, not Emma Strobe's father. Alice's father in the story. Yeah. Is a novelist who made his um, fame through writing a time travel novel himself, which was adapted into a miniseries and all kinds of things. Um, so there's a lot about the nature of fiction. There's a lot about what people want out of a good book and a good story. Uh, there was a quote in there that was so good that talks about how people don't have to have a happy ending, but hope, hope, that's good. And that's really what I read a book for. I need it to have some kind of hope. Um, so good about relationships between friends um, with your father and really ultimately as every time travel book is it's a novel about your own self who are you where are you what did you really want and how do we go about getting those things i just y'all i love her that was a great book the, the time travel book it really took me a long time before i figured out that in many ways the time travel book as a genre is just about it's really about what a lot of Pat Conroy's books are about. It's that desire for a second bite at the apple. That if you did things over, if you could choose not the path you chose, but a different path. And Conroy, it's funny, never uses time travel. But Conroy's books always circle back to people getting a second chance at life, as it were. <laughs> that's a jump I never would have made, but that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so anyway, This Time Tomorrow was my favorite new book that I read of these mm. past two weeks. And then the last one that I read was Just Haven't Met You Yet by Sophie Cousins, who also wrote something that I think I read last year. Her books are just really sweet, and this one was no exception. Um, it was the main character. This one's set in England or a little island off the coast of France, as most of it, I believe. But she goes on a trip for work. 
when she gets to the airport, dadgummit, she gets the wrong suitcase. And inside it is um, evidence of this guy who loves all these things that she loves. His He has a copy of To Kill a Mockingbird <laughs> in there. She loves To Kill a Mockingbird. As she goes through his suitcase, she becomes convinced that this is the man for her. And a lot in a lot of the books, she is searching for this man with the help of the cab driver who... Um, took her to her hotel from the airport. Just a totally sweet, really redemptive little story. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and it was just a really fast read. I brought good books everywhere in my life, and it never found me a bit of love, probably because it was like a Millard Fillmore biography or something. <laughs> it's a shame that dirty looks don't uh, don't go into work. I don't know what you're trying to say with this, or insinuate, or... I'm not sure what you thought you were going to accomplish with this comment. <laughs> Let's move on to our shared read, which Let is us. Yes. Unlikely Animals by Annie Hartnett. Such a, a fun, a fun, fun read. Do a summary of it. Well, I mean, you talked about it some last time because you had read it and you were like, I think you'll like this. And again it's a second bite at the apple it's it's the girl from the small town who's gone away to bigger and better things except she's stumbled there and she gets a chance to come back and can she help her ailing father can she find her missing best friend can she assemble a better life than the one she had and hijinks have to ensue and she has to meet uh this studly dudley who falls across her path just through mere happenstance okay but you're skipping one of the big things in it too which yeah. is that she was a natural born healer who has gone away to medical school where she feels like she'll be able to use her healing ability to help people but it's all fallen apart for her she's lost her skill which to her really means she's lost her identity right who is she without the thing that made her special she comes home to her father who has always been special who's dying of a degenerative brain disease. Yeah. Um, her brother, who's never felt like he was special, not since high school when he became hooked on opioids and now is going through rehab. This, How do we all fit together in a family? How do we fit together in a community? How do we recognize what's special about all of us? And I love that the narrator in the story, the narrators are um, the community dead. Yeah. The local yeah, cemetery. Yeah, this is a cool... It's, technique it's just it, it is such a thoroughly community-minded book and when i began it i really thought it was just the story of emma really you know how's she going to figure herself out but it's not that way at all because of course we don't figure ourselves out alone we figure ourselves out with the help of those who love us and with that great cloud of witnesses watching from beyond you know true maybe not necessarily the watching part but like the legacy that they have we left don't know. us yeah, you know right um I felt like when I read this that it was really pretty nearly a perfect book in that it was very well written. Mm -hmm. Characters are great. Setting was great. All those kinds of things that I need to check off. But also all of the puzzle pieces click together by the end of it, you know, and yeah. you can kind of see how even these tiny things were fitting in. Um, one of the side effects of her father's degenerative brain disease is that he hallucinates animals and he hallucinates the ghost of a long-dead naturalist, Ernest Harold Baines. I think you said it better than Harold Ernest Baines. Yeah. Um, and even those pieces, like the title of the story, Unlikely Animals, Seeing These Animals, 
we are all ourselves, animals, yeah. all of the connections among all that just work together in such a poetic way that I found really beautiful and kind of, I, I felt like it gave um, a much better understanding of what is our purpose here and how do we fit not only in our community, but with like the world around us. Yeah, a fun small town uh, book, but you know the the whole supernatural aspect around it is is a fun. It's not a heavy read. At no, no point does that really bog it down, but it gives it a different feel. You know, there's there's an element of how. I mean, you mentioned that he he hallucinates up the naturalist, or does he? You know, the the naturalist is real in the the world uh, beyond the, the the dead people know the naturalist he's quite real to them you know right, so right. maybe he's not maybe he just kind of has a, a portal ahead and can see something that they can't yet it's got some um our town elements yeah to it, yeah i'll buy that um which i love but more fun yeah i love our town but our town makes you cry and yeah. this did, this was unexpectedly hilarious yeah a lot of very very like funny <laughs> dark humor you know <laughs> Yeah, just just moments where you didn't expect to laugh and you're just rolling, really. Yeah, yeah. She's a, a writer who has a, a deft touch for taking serious subject and, and yeah, making you, you kind of guffaw a time or two. This is a book that I overlooked the first couple of times I heard about it. Um, I don't know why it didn't really catch my attention. I did not expect, I just didn't, it didn't call out to me. And then I heard a couple of people that I respect really, like Haley, I think I mentioned her last time, said that this was an amazing book. And so I was like, well, let's see if we can find it. And I was really just kind of knocked over by how much I did love it. It was light. It was fun. Uh, but the other thing is, it was another fiction uh, read that I really enjoyed. And, and I'm kind of sitting here with a handful of nonfiction titles I was kind of met about and going, why don't I just read more fiction? But I won't, as you said, creature of habit. Oh, you made my heart happy for about half a second there, and then you just <laughs> kicked it down again. Well, you know, this is this is why I have somebody to sift through all of the good stuff and give me the stuff that even a dunderhead like myself can can manage. Speaking of dunder, you're not. You read a lot of good stuff. Segway, segway, dunder, hinting at our next read. <laughs> hinting nothing. Smooth work there. Just saying it. Our next shared read <laughs> is going to be The Office BFFs by Jenna Fisher and Angela Kinsey, who worked in the fictional world of The Office at Dunder Mifflin. If you couldn't figure that out by now, you may have lived under a rock. We have done several Office-related <laughs> books. It's not a novel topic, but yet it was one that when I heard about it, it was like, oh my gosh, yes, we're going to read that. Of course we are. Jenna and Angela do a podcast called Office Ladies, in which they talk about every episode of The Office. I haven't listened to it for quite some time now, so they may be no. done with it by now. I'm no, not really sure. I don't know either. But I did listen to it for a long time and just found it really funny. These two are quite hilarious. We can't wait to talk about it with you in two weeks. Yeah, look forward to it. Hope everybody's having a, a nice summer, going somewhere fun, or just staying at home and trying what, not to roast there. Whatever you're doing for the summer, um, if you need something good to read, 
feel free to let us know. We'll give you some recommendations. Or if you think that you have some good ideas for things that we could read to fill our summer, particularly for Joe here, some more fiction to fill his days, um, you can let us know at paperbackreaderspod at gmail.com or on Instagram at paperbackreaderspod, Twitter at pbackreaderspod. That'll reach us. And whatever you're doing, wherever you're going, be safe. Have a good time. And for goodness sakes, keep reading. <laughs>